We've come to a point in our service, we do this every time, um, every time we meet, we love to open up the Bible, read a chunk of it, and try and understand it together, and learn from God. And very conveniently, we've got to a point in a book called 1 Corinthians, which is all about the gospel. It's almost like we planned it, right? Okay, so please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, on page 1156. We're going to read these verses. I want you to look out for the word, the gospel, and all the ideas about the gospel and stuff. That's what we're going to be thinking about. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to start at verse 1, page 1156. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Kephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Let me lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these verses about the gospel, the good news, and I pray that you would help us now to understand what it is that should make us sing, what it is that you say can change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The country singer Johnny Cash gave an interview once where he was asked about the place of gospel music in his life and in his music. In fact, they asked him whether he ever thought of becoming a preacher. Now, we've got a little video which is like an animation of this interview. So just listen out to what he says about gospel music. That's Johnny Cash, by the way. So Johnny Cash talked about how gospel was ingrained in his bones. And they had the weird thing. Gospel music was ingrained in his bones. Now this afternoon, I want to convince us that we have gospel in our bones. 
None of us have gospel music in our bones, as may have been evident this afternoon. But some of us definitely have gospel music in our bones. But all of us have gospel longing in our bones. I often have conversations with people who say to me, um, Phil, it's, all, it's very interesting you're a Christian and stuff like that, but I'm not religious. And I say to them, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Everyone is religious because everyone has gospel longing in them. Gospel, the word gospel just means good news. But when we talk about the gospel, things like that, we're, talk, we're not talking about any old good news. We're talking about the stuff you build your life on. That's gospel. Gospel is the good news, the hope that gets you out of bed in the morning, that gives you meaning and purpose. It's what you think can fix your life and the problems of this world. And we all have something, or at least want something, that gets us through something that can give us that kind of hope. How often have you looked at the news and read through it and thought, I just wish there was, is there going to be some good news, good news, good news, and then you get to the sport, still no good news, still no good news. We've got this gospel longing in our bones, even if we wouldn't think of ourselves as religious. So what's your gospel? What's your gospel, your hope? Perhaps it's being a decent person. You know, if I can manage just to be a decent kind of person, that's going to fix things and that'll make everything all right. Perhaps it's a bigger view of human progress. That'll fix our world. We're just going to keep getting better. Maybe your gospel is more of a spirituality. If I can do these certain spiritual practices, I'll feel a kind of wholeness. Maybe you're not sure, but you hope there's got to be some good news out there. Now, there's a line from what Johnny Cash said in that interview that really caught my imagination about gospel music. When he was out in the cotton fields working as a kid, he said, I can't do his voice, it is so low, (laughs) but this is what he said. I needed gospel songs to lift me up above the black dirt lift me up above the black dirt. We all need something to lift us up above the black dirt. Because life is full of black dirt. We all feel it, whether it's illnesses, or broken relationships, failures, guilt. And then there's the black dirt of death we all end up in, black dirt of death that we all come to. See, for all that's good in life, There's this black dirt that just won't go away. Now, Johnny Cash needed to sing songs to get him through those hot hours in the cotton field. Now, we need something more. We need some solid, real gospel truth to lift us above the black dirt of life and death. Now, you might have noticed when we were reading from um, 1 Corinthians, how Paul was basically coming along and saying, hey, I've got a gospel for you. And we saw it in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. So God gets that we live in the black dirt of life. So he gives us not just a gospel, not just some kind of motivational thoughts or even some uplifting songs, The dirt of life needs more than that. God's given us what Paul calls the gospel. The good news from God that can lift us above the black dirt. And Paul really kind of ramps up the stakes on this gospel. Look at what he says um, that the gospel achieves in verse 2. Look at verse 2. By this gospel, you are saved. So he's speaking to these Christians in a place called Corinth, and he's saying, this is the gospel that saves you. This can lift you above the black dirt. That sounds big, doesn't it? We need saving. We need saving from something. What is that? We'll think about that later, but it sounds important. And then verse 3, he ramps it up even more. 
For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Because here's the thing, this gospel stuff, what can help us and fix our world and our lives, it matters more than anything else in the world. What, it, what the gospel is more, matters more than anything else. See, we'll all be here this afternoon for different kinds of reasons. Some of us are here by habit. Some of us may feel obliged to be here. Some of us feel really in need. But for all of us, this question of hope, is there something that can deal with the wrong of the world, the wrong of death? Surely nothing can matter more than that. And Paul says to us, yeah, it really matters more than anything else. First importance, I want you to be really, really crystal clear on what God's gospel is so you can hope in it and hold on to it. So we're going to look at what it is. Let's look at this little summary we have in these verses of what promises to be to us this afternoon the gospel that can lift us out of the black dirt. The gospel starts with this. It starts with the man who went into the black dirt. The man who went into the black dirt. Have a look at verse 3. It starts with this man. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. So it starts with this man, Christ. Now, most of our kind of personal gospels start with a human being. The hope that all of us have uh, for life and death is actually ourselves. You know, I can overcome and fix my life. If I can be that decent person or whatever it is, I can keep myself out of the dirt. But the gospel from God starts with us doing nothing. Take a seat. It starts with a man, but a man who is God. Christ is the title for Jesus, the God-man who came to save us. So you would like to think that the good that we can do, well, that we can pick ourselves up out of the dirt and rise above it. But God looks down on humanity and sees us trying to pick ourselves up and then going slap back into the dirt. Up we get, back into the dirt. Up and down we go. We still haven't managed it. We still haven't stopped fighting. We still haven't managed to stop being selfish. We still haven't managed to deal with death. I read an interview with the actor Anthony Hopkins. And this is what he said about the mess in our world. He's pretty honest about it. He said, we've never got it right, human beings. We are all a mess. And we're very early on in our evolution. Look back throughout history. You've got the 20th century, the murder of 100 million people barely 80 years ago, the 1914 to 18 war, the civil war in America, slaughter, bloodshed. He's really honest about the mess, isn't he? But then what's really interesting is he doesn't have much of an answer for it. This is, I think this is pretty lame. He says, I don't know if there's design in it, uh, but it's extraordinary to look at for a perspective. I think, well, do about it. It'll blow over whatever happens. He looks at, the world wars and goes, oh, it'll blow over. You'd be pleased to know that God doesn't look on and think, oh, the pain and mess of their lives, it'll blow over. He comes to get us out of the mess. Now, you could feel one of two ways about that. You could feel offended because you're kind of hoping that it would all be about us being able to overcome. Or we could feel thankful (laughs) that God doesn't lead us to it. So Christ is this man who went into the black dirt, the black dirt of death. Have a look at verse 3 again. Christ died for our sins. 
You see, any gospel worth its salt has got to deal with our greatest problem. If you take your car to the mechanic, and uh, the mechanic comes out, and he's covered in, in dirt and grease, and, and he says, uh, good news, I fixed your air conditioning. You're like, that's great, but the engine's not working. That puts a damper on the good news, doesn't it? He hasn't exactly dealt with what's wrong with it. So I wonder what we think our greatest problem is that we need lifting out of. What would you say is the black dirt of life? My hunch is we think we need the aircon fixing when actually the engine's broken. See, the black dirt that we need lifting out of isn't something we can get out of with a bit of, bit of willpower, a bit of positive thinking, education, believing in yourself. That's trying to fix the aircon. It's much more serious than that. See, the black dirt that we live in is the thing that Christ died for. Christ died for our sins. Now, no one likes talking about sin, do they? <laughs> and John, she was telling me the other day, um, Britain's Got Talent, that uh, there was a gospel choir. How appropriate. And everyone was loving it. The judges were loving it. Amanda Holden, um, she said, I love it. This is my God because uh, there's, there's no sin and judgment in this. It's all just kind of joy and good news. But that's not how good news works. She, she wanted the good news without any kind of bad news. In fact, that's not how uh, good news works on shows like Britain's Got Talent. Don't they love it when you've got the kind of the hard backstory? They always film that bit in black and white. We kind of came from the pits of whatever, and now look at you realizing your dream. See, even they want the bad news because it makes the good news better. So we have got to talk about sin. And if what I'm about to say feels a bit over the top to you, think about it this way. The more of a mess we're actually in, must be, if we can actually deal with it. So, what's this sin that Jesus came to die for? Well, you and I have done something awful and incredibly serious and dangerous. We've gone at life without the one who gave us life, without God. If my daughter one day walked out on me and my wife, telling us she was sick of us, hated all that we'd done for her, she didn't want us to try and contact her, I'd be sick into the stomach. And she'd be walking away from our love, our care, and our protection. So let me tell you what, what it means for us to be in the black dirt. We've walked away from God, telling him we're sick of him. We don't care what he's done for us in making us and giving us life. And we don't want to hear from him with his, this is how I want you to live authority. That's what we've done. So when it talks about our sins, that's all the things we think, say, and do because we've walked out from God and the way he wants us to live with him. And so we walk out the door on God's love, his care, and his protection into a world of hurt, a world of black dirt. So why did Christ then die die for our sins? Well, because what we deserve for what we've done is, is death. Which means our death at the end of this life, the death that we all experience, But also, and let me be plain and as honest with you as I can, the Bible says that death goes way beyond that moment when your heart stops beating. Death as someone who's walked out on God means hell. This place of punishment forever. Now that's a black dirt I don't want to experience. 
I told you, the worse the bad news, the better the gospel good news. So look again at verse 3, that Christ died for our sins, and he was buried. The point is, he sorted it. Christ died for us on the cross, and he was buried in the ground, in the dirt of real death. He died the heartbeat-stopping part of death, and on the cross, he died the hell-punishment side of death too. For our sins. That means instead of you and me. Do you see what God's done for us? Do you see why this gets to be called the gospel? God's come into the black dirt, suffered for us, taken the guilt on himself, and he's laid in our coffin. He's been buried in the dirt. And because he's done that, we can walk right back into a relationship with God, back into his love, his care, his rule, his protection. So can I ask, does your gospel that you live by, a gospel of human progress maybe, a gospel of being a decent person, does your gospel have someone who can get into your coffin for you and deal with the worst of the world and the worst that you've done? Because we need a gospel to lift us out of the black dirt. And in Christ, we have a man who went into the black dirt of death for us. And that's not the end of the story. You'll notice we've hovered around like three words. There's more. Because this is the second thing. The gospel is about the man lifted above the black dirt. The man lifted above the black dirt. Now, something I've noticed recently um, in films we've been watching in TV is that there are a lot of resurrections in the stories. It's got to a point, actually, where I'm watching a film where the main character dies or something like that, and it just doesn't bother me because I know that there's no way that's the end of that character. There's always the problem of the sequel. (laughs) You're like, I know they're coming back. So, for example, a certain London-based detective dies at the end of a very successful first series, and it would take serious guts for the producers to go, oh man, I'm really sorry we can't do a second series because we've killed him. You know there's going to be a series two. Now the reason we have so many of these resurrection stories of these heroes is because we need the hero alive if we're going to have any hope. A dead Sherlock, a dead Marvel superhero, I'm going to leave it as broad as that, is unthinkable because who's going to save the day? Okay, so back to our real lives of black dirt. We need someone who isn't just going to go into the black dirt for us, but who can lift us above the black dirt to give us hope for today and for the future. And on this anniversary of the London Bridge attack, let's just be real for a moment about the black dirt of life and death. Because the days after the attack, um, a few of us just went out to chat to people as they, they... uh, laid flowers. A lot of people actually were just standing and staring. And as we talked to people who just, who just didn't know, and they would talk this way of, where's the good news in this? As we watched, I remember I was with, with Johnny, uh, the sister of one of the victims, just weep. I knew that there was gospel good news in this. In that moment of the blackest dirt for them. Because there is a man who was lifted above the black dirt and he can lift us too.
Christ was buried, but he didn't stay in the dirt. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That means the Bible said it was going to happen. See, we need someone who isn't just going to lay into our coffin for us and take hell for us, but who can bust out of the coffin, claw through the dirt, as it were, and come out the other side and then take us with him. That's why Jesus came back to life. Christ was raised from the dead so that, get your head around this, so that we could be raised too. So that we can also one day have new bodies in a new world without the black dirt of illness, wrong, pain, and death in a world with God. We will still die the heartbeat-stopping side of death. But if we trust in Jesus, one day our hearts will start beating again, just like Jesus did. But for some reason, it all sounds too good to be true. Jesus rising from the dead, us rising from the dead, that sounds freaky. I think this is our problem. I think we expect too little from our Gospels. I think we expect too little from hope. I think a Gospel that says something like, I can be a decent person and make my life okay, is actually just aiming too low. A Gospel that says, well, maybe the next generation, our children, will make a better job of the world than us, that's small-time Gospel. That's hoping for too little, just a little bit of change. And so the Gospel of Christ comes along with resurrection and this good news that is The expectations are just so beyond anything that we've had that we just go, nah, it's not possible. No one can beat death. That's the one bit we're just stuck with. But what if, for once in our disappointing world, there's something that is so good and actually true all at the same time? What if there is a man who is lifted above the black dirt of death and who holds out his hand to us and says, if you put your hand in mine and trust me with your life, I can lift you out too. I can give you eternal life with God, with a real, new, punched out of the dirt body, just like mine. It's funny, the Corinthian Christians were having a really hard time believing this. We'll think more about this next week. But they believed that Christ was risen from the dead, but they weren't all that bothered about the idea of us rising and having new bodies. It just didn't matter to them. But Paul wants to say to them and to say to us, Christ rising above the dirt isn't some kind of wishful thinking we've all just made up. And he gives this big long list of people who saw Christ alive. Most of the verses are taken up with this. He starts in verse 5. Have a look at it. So he says, Christ was raised, according to scriptures, and then he says, and then he appeared to Kephas and then the twelve. Christ appeared, he starts with his closest followers. They saw the risen Jesus with their own eyes. Yeah, but they would say he rose from the dead, right? Ah, no, they wouldn't. Kephas, otherwise known as Peter, is famous for saying to Jesus' face, you ain't going to die and rise. It's not going to happen. First, on the list of people who say they saw Jesus is the one who is actually famous for being most adamant that Jesus is not going to die and rise. But he saw it happen. The list goes on in verse 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 people 
of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That means dead rather than, you know, just sleeping. Now, there goes this idea of it just being uh, the deluded, optimistic uh, believers who thought they saw Jesus. We've got 500 people at the same time who saw Christ. Remember, 500 people who were not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead, but were simply confronted with this man alive. And this is no game of Chinese whispers either, where 500 people kind of had their story twisted over the decades. No, because Paul makes a point that at the time he is writing 1 Corinthians, which is one of the earliest books in the New Testament, most of these people are still alive. This, this is, a lot of time hasn't passed. This is fresh. Eyewitness gospel. And then the list goes on. Verse 7, you've got James and then all the apostles. James, this trusted Jewish leader in Jerusalem. And you get all the apostles, all of those who founded the church. Oh, and verse 8. Let's not forget the guy writing this, Paul. Last of all, he appeared to me also. And again, Paul isn't some naive, wishful thinker who was really hoping that Jesus would come back from the dead. Oh, no, no, look at verse 9. Look at what he used to do. I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. Paul used to persecute the church because they said Jesus was alive. He very literally hated the idea of the resurrection of Jesus. And then he saw Jesus. And he became now the man saying, Oh, by the way, this is the gospel. I saw him with my own eyes. He's alive. This changes everything. I was talking with a friend about this gospel the other day, and he said, Phil, this is really good for you. It's good for you to have this hope, but I don't believe it. I said, ah, it's not good for me if it's not real. He's kind of like, you know, it might be true, it might not be, but it's nice for you. I'm like, no, it's not good for me if it's not real. If this isn't the real thing, I'm wasting my time. We're all wasting our time. Let's go home. If this isn't real, it's not gospel. And that means we've got nothing to pick us up out of the black dirt. But Paul wants us to know from verse 3 that what he received, this gospel that he passed on, he received it, he saw with his own eyes. And all of these other people saw Jesus with their own eyes. It's not just good for me, because it makes me feel better. It's only because good because it happened. Only good because it happened. Christ is the man, the only one in history, to be lifted above the black dirt. Johnny Cash said he had gospel music in his bones. We have this gospel longing in our bones. Won't someone please bring me some good news as we trawl through the black dirt of life and death? Here he is. The man who went into the black dirt, Christ who died for our sins. The man who was lifted above the black dirt and who can lift us too. Tell me that's not gospel good news. Tell me you've got something better. So what do we do with this? Well, Paul makes it actually quite clear there's only one thing to do in response to this. He, he tops and tails chapter 15 with what we need to do. So have a look at verse 1 again. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Now shoot over to verse 58 on the other page at the end of chapter 15. Verse 58, page 1157. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Stand 
You've taken your stand on it. Now keep standing on it. What do we need to do? Stand on this gospel. We have to bank everything on Christ. You put all your weight on this. You plant your feet firmly on Christ and nowhere else because no one else has done this for you. Standing on the gospel means walking away from living life against God and walking back into his loving care and making him God of our lives again. Standing means putting all our weight on this gospel that Christ, I wonder if you can say this, went into the dirt of death for me. He died for my sins. And Christ rose above the dirt to take me with him. My life, my death, my hope through the black dirt are all in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news that can change everything for us, that will change everything for our world. So let's pray and give thanks to God for this good news. Let's pray. Dear Father, in this world, which has so much good, but so much that honestly is so messed up, thank you that you have not left us to it, but you've given us good news. You've given us your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, for all of us here, in the different pain we experience, fear of death, in our own guilt for the wrong that we've done against others and against you, We thank you for this ray of light that breaks through the darkness that we've heard about this afternoon. And I pray for us to put all our hope on this. Please help us to, Lord, when we're struggling to really keep trusting in you, help us to stand firm. Confident that Jesus really is alive because all these people saw it. And may it change everything for us. Give us hope to know that one day we too can be lifted above the dirt. We praise you for gospel for good news, and for Christ our Savior. Amen.